What is accounting practice management software? Is it the operating system for your accounting practice? Is it an all-in-one software solution for accountants? Is it the crucial tech standing between your practice and utter chaos? Accounting practice management software should bring together all of your practice's mission-critical functions in one place to make your life and your practice easier. Stay tuned to hear more from our sponsor, Canopy, later in the episode. Well, you know that, but here's my, my feeling on this. Nothing is going to change at the big four until the business model changes. As long as what you are selling is time, which is what they sell, in most cases, they're still selling time, firm leaders, practice owners, or leaders of practices are going to have every incentive just to get their staff to work as many hours as possible. And that's not healthy. It doesn't matter. You can do all this stuff on the fringes. You can make it all sound nice and have lots of mental health resources. But if people are working 60 to 80 hours a week, they're not going to be healthy. Coming to you weekly from the OnPay Recording Studio, this is the Cloud Accounting Podcast. Welcome to the Cloud Accounting Podcast. I'm Blake Oliver. I'm David Leary. But you are not in your normal office. No, I'm I'm at my in-laws. I'm in my father-in-law's uh, studio. Music studio, that's right. Yes. I guess uh, another week. I personally felt it very distracting with like the shooting and just, I went on a whole ya- rabbit hole yesterday, really digging in about like taxes and guns and the IRS's relationship. And like, I, I don't know. It's kind of deep. And then not all my things I was reading got saved properly in my newsreader. So, and I don't even know if we should talk about it, but like to act like it didn't exist though either, right? To distract from preparing for this week's show, I think is also a little naive, but you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what, if there's a tie in to what we cover on our show. I, I've been doing a little investing. And so, you know, in that respect, uh, one of the topics, when it comes to guns and investing is, you know, do you or do you actually own shares in, in gun manufacturers? And most people do. If you own target retirement funds, Vanguard's index funds, all of these funds that mirror the market, then you, you own a piece of this. So then people are deciding, do I switch out of those into ESG funds? And we were talking about ESG last week. And there's the pros and cons of that kind of investing strategy because so many ESG funds seem to be greenwashed. And that's how you end up with like oil and gas companies in an ESG fund, because maybe that fund says, well, even if you aren't environmentally friendly now, if you have good social and governance, you know, and you're on the track to being more environmentally friendly, we'll let you in. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's funny that you bring up ESG. Like that's like a, did you see uh, Adam Newman? Yeah. So Adam Newman. Founder of WeWork. Founder of WeWork, WeWork guy, is back with a, this is the best. It's it's covering, it's combining two of our favorite topics now, <laughs> cryptocurrency and ESG. What's the deal with that? And, and, and if it, this is like any way to give validation to both possibly being a complete scam, he's now <laughs> joining in on this uh, for it. So <laughs> essentially he raised uh, funds, $70 million. Thirty-two million came from VC firms, including Andreessen Horowitz's A16Z, and then another thirty-eight million from the sale of. The, so his new company is called Flow Carbon. Flow Carbon, and he's selling Flow Carbon Goddess Nature tokens. 
So he's Got creating his own tokens. <laughs> and essentially, the long story short, it goes right to what you were saying. Companies can buy these tokens and then those tokens can be used to offset their credits. And it's it's crazy. Like if you've watched Recrash on, on Apple, if anybody yeah, hasn't watched I haven't it seen yet, queued it up, no. it's a little scary because people just invested blindly into him. And now is it happening again? So, so what this thing is, help me understand what this thing is. So there's been this concept of carbon credits that you could buy and sell. Companies could exchange them for a long time. That has existed for a while. So the idea is that let's say I am in a polluting industry and I have a factory that pollutes. Instead of reducing the emissions of my factory, I could go out onto one of these carbon exchanges and I could buy credits from a company that is cleaning up or doing something to reduce carbon emissions. So then I get to claim credit. That's the idea, right? I get to claim credit for reducing carbon, even though That's I didn't actually it, right? do it myself. Yes, yes. So, so, so right. a company plants a bunch of trees, they have carbon credits, they sell them to you as a corporation, and then you're like, look, I'm carbon zero right, or neutral. That's that's right, that's right. the gist of it. Now, how this is getting involved, I can't explain it to you. <laughs> like, well, and so now you can trade them on a blockchain is the idea, right? So it's a blockchain-based carbon credit exchange. But then, yeah, you know, I mean, there's the question as to, right, don't blockchains produce a lot of emissions? I mean, Bitcoin does, right? Bitcoin, last time I checked, creates a carbon footprint bigger than Iceland. I think it's like... The eighth biggest energy, like it was a country, like eighth biggest right. in the world or some crazy thing, the amount of energy just the blockchain creates. So I wonder if that's, I wonder if they've solved that problem for this, but. And, and then it's yeah. really crazy. So like this is a, the underlying carbon credits are pre-certified by industry groups, including Vera, Gold Standard, Climate Action Reserve, and the American Carbon Registry. Like, you know, all these things are scams. Like, they're all these groups are just set <laughs> well, up. Like, this is They're crazy. all private companies that create their own standards for credits yeah. and companies. Yeah. Again, and then they it's bundle all part them up this... and sell them into, to other companies. Yeah. Like, this is like, I, I don't know. But so, the, so not only did this happen, did you see the AICPA themselves had a symposium on ESG? Yes. Uh, they, they tweeted it out. I saw Casey Johnson tweeted that they had this ESG summit in New York and all these people came in. Well, they, they, she, she, specifically, she tweeted a picture of you know, a mixer, right? It was obviously yeah. at the end of the day. They're up on the roof. And I was just thinking, and I think I had a beer or two in me, and I was just asking these questions, right? Like, it makes you wonder, like, what's the ESG score of that event, right? Like, don't you think that would, should be provided? Because people traveled in for this event. And then I was just right, thinking, right. how do you even calculate it? And then I'm like, if you can't calculate it for an event like this, like, how are accountants supposed to calculate this? And then the reply I got was... You can calculate it. And the reply I got from Casey Johnson was, check out sustain.life. Their solution does that. So if you go it's to It's one of the solutions that was at this life, symposium? They are part of the AICPA's um, incubator and CPA.com's incubator. So in a way, like this was a, a commercial event for one of their apps <laughs> in a strange kind of way. Now, they right. said they are going to um, publish the results of this in the future. What does that include the carbon, the ESG score of the event itself? I think exactly. That's a but fair that question. I would like to see, right? Is, is that going to be included in this? Um, they did have a little press release about this. Um, let me open that up. 
Because as we discussed in our show in the past, like one of the big questions about the environmental reporting, at least that the SEC is proposing to to regulate, is direct and indirect environmental impact can be difficult to calculate the indirect, especially. So, you know, how do you calculate? I guess you calculate all the travel that goes into putting on an event like this, all the people flying in, the cost of staying in the hotels from an environmental standpoint, the, what about the, the catering of the hotel that comes who in. Had to travel there or the people who travel. Yeah. It, it, it's crazy. So the they're going to release a special report later this year that recaps key themes and takeaways from the event. Some of those include the confluence of proposed international and national ESG regulations that are creating momentum in the ESG space how CPAs are well positioned to meet the marketplace demands just because of their innate skills and experience with systems. Corporate finance leaders are beginning to lead internal efforts. Accounting professionals need to expand their knowledge to taste consumers employees want to buy from and work for organizations whose value, values align with their own. And then employees want to work for companies that, you know, do this as well. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's, it, is this what the ACP, AICPA should be focused on? I don't know. Well, the thing that struck me when I went and read the proposed rules from the SEC on on the the E part of ESG that they're going to try and start regulating, the emissions part, as we discussed last, at last episode, is accounting firms, public accounting firms, don't get the monopoly on these audits. Anyone is going to be able to do an audit of emissions according to the proposed rules. So I'm curious, is the ASCPA going to try and change that to lobby to say, CPAs should be the ones doing these audits because if we if we aren't, then and this is the future of audit. Then like the license, what does the license let you do now? What is what is the what is? What well, is I imagine guaranteed? there's going to be some sort of like SOC two compliance, some badge, uh-huh. like something like that that you have to purchase. I'm using your quotes here. Purchase from the CPA, right? And it, and it stands. Well, no, on no, because your... the AIC, the, the CPAs don't get the monopoly on audits for ESG. According to the SEC's proposed rules, anyone well, I could open my a point. Fr- so it'll be a David, branding you and I thing. could open a it'll firm. It'll be a branding thing, right? Yes. Okay. Right. So, so David and Blake's ESG certification will be out there. Yeah. But people aren't going to pay our company to get their certification because they're going to want the ASCBA branded one. Ultimately, I doubt it because they're just going to want to get <laughs> it done, <laughs> right? People are just going to want to go to the cheapest, fastest, easiest place, right? And a lot of times, the convenience is more important than anything for these companies. And that actually brings me to another topic, which is R&D, tax credits, and companies, non-CPA firms that are doing R&D tax credits. So this was uh, sent to me by a listener who will remain anonymous, and it is about uh, one of those shops, Main Street. Have you heard of Main Street, David? Is this like a tax shop or a... So they do R&D studies for startups. That's their oh, big okay, focus. Okay, got it. So it's one of those apps where we'll, they help you get the credit or... Yeah, it's, it's accounting firms with... Engin- it's an accounting firm with engineers, okay, got right? It. So a lot of accounting firms help, will help you calculate your R&D tax credit. They'll help you do a study that backs it up in case you get audited, and then you go and you claim this credit. And it's a big deal because it's a credit against your tax liability. So it's like a dollar for dollar reduction, right? It's, it's big money. So you know, if you spend like a million dollars on research expenses, qualified research expenses, you could have a, you know, $10,000 federal credit 
and a $75,000 California credit. And there's these firms out there, and Main Street is one of them, that they take a percentage of the credit or they'll work against a cap and it's a cap of the credit. I, I think so that's they, the model a lot of these are set up as. Yeah, yeah. So like they could take, you know, $35,000 or something, like say 25 to 35%, right? And that's a lot of money. So their interest is, you know, let's automate as much as, as possible and then we get this, you know, huge margin when we take a percentage. It's value priced, right? And um, so one thing that's interesting about Main Street is that they just took 150 employees out to Hawaii for a week in January ahead of their anticipated Series B funding round. That was tweeted by Rob Price on Twitter. And then um, they just laid off in May a third of their staff, citing today's incredibly rough market. Because, you know, we're, we're headed toward a pullback or a recession or whatever you want to call it, right? Yeah. And... You know, there's a lot of talk. There's talk. I'm hearing talk from our listeners. Like, are these R&D studies going to hold up to an IRS audit? And that's the question. Like, that could be the crater, right? If, if none of this stuff holds up and they get sued. Well, and a lot of these companies that are out there, they're wanting to partner with accountants and accounting firms. They'll they yeah. pay you as the accountant if you use this app, whatever Main Street or whoever these other apps are. You, the firm, you get a piece of the action as well. You're getting a cut of this this R and D thing, so you're right. Like, how reliable are these? Will these companies even exist when it is time to defend these? Or are you just going to be left holding the bag, right? Because we are. You're right. In this time, I mean, we talked about Fast four weeks ago, who that shut down, right? That startup, and they're behind their biggest competitor, Bolt. Well, guess who just laid off people this week, Bolt, right? So, like, things are kind of getting Wait, very who laid tight off for these smaller companies. Bolt did, yeah, they laid off people. Who's Bolt? Bolt is a competitor to Fast. It's kind of this, the concept of these companies is this like one-click checkout. So like in Amazon, mm -hmm. you just hit the button and it's one-click box. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then these buttons in theory will live on a bunch of e-commerce sites all over the, the, the world, right? All over, all over the web. And then as you go site to site to site, hey, I'm going to buy a barbecue grill here. I'm going to buy this thing on this other, you know, site over here. And I'm going to be in Home Depot over here. And I can just click the button. And it's one-click checkout on any site yeah. I go to. Well, I think the reality of that service is harder than you think because you have to actually sign up for the service as a consumer. Like you know what you're doing when you get it with Amazon. You're like, all right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. You don't. Who's gonna invest the time to sign up for this because you really don't know what other websites it's on, right? right. So, anyways, right. it's it's turning out the the environment with startups, et cetera, it's getting very tight right now. And, and it's important to note this because we'll talk about Intuit earnings, and there's some things about the environment we're in when it comes to startups and stuff in there and the economy. This episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast is sponsored by Cinder. Tax season is over, which means you can focus on growing your business rather than hustling to handle the clients you've already got. But how do you add new clients when you're already so busy? That's easy with Cinder. With Cinder, you can automate mundane tasks like reconciliation and categorization and instead spend more time on strategy. Thanks to Cinder's new e-commerce insights, you become a trusted advisor to your clients, not just a data entry clerk. Give them important tools to know their numbers and make the right decisions to grow their business. Over 2,000 CPAs are already future-proofing their business with Cinder as their secret solution. Ready to join them? To book your free demo, head over to cloudaccountingpodcast.promo slash Cinder. That is cloudaccountingpodcast.promo forward slash S-Y-N-D-E-R. So there's one more of these R&D tax credit shops 
that I wanted to mention in addition to Main Street. And this is the one actually that that got me onto this topic. It's uh, Alliant Group got raided by the IRS. And, you know, we were talking with uh, the other week at Accounting Web. We interviewed the head of the um, criminal investigations unit. You know, the, the yes. IRS agents yeah. that get to carry guns. They go get trained at, you know, with the FBI and all that stuff. They So they, you know, every now and then they actually go in and they'll they'll bring their guns and they'll raid a bank or they'll raid a firm. And so they raided the Houston headquarters of Alliant Group. And, and is Alliant Group traditionally a CPA firm? No, I don't think so. No. Yeah, no, no, they aren't. But they do these credits, right? And so the question is, you know, it's more than whenever this sort of thing gets going, these kind of, you know, scams or these kind of, you know, let's say, let's say it is, right? Let's say they're not doing, they're doing a good job. Maybe and they're it's just a scheme. Scam is very like. Yeah, it's not a scam scheme. But it's a when scheme, these schemes yeah. get going, there's multiple companies that do them, right? There's a lot of money in it. And again, these guys are doing the same thing where it's like, you know, 25, 35%. They are, this is according to coverage and going concern that I'm reading, they have a habit of suing their clients because clients will get audited by the IRS and then won't want to pay Alliant Group for the work that they did. So, you know, there's a list of lawsuits against their clients and they're, they like to go after their employees too who leave. But yeah, yeah. So check it out. Check out the coverage of Alliant Group on going concern. They've got, they've got insiders tweeting information, photos of the uh, IRS rating and videos of videos of the IRS raiding the office. Yeah, and it's right here. Here's what they do. They work on. I'm just on their website. Here's the three products they offer: employee retention credit calculations, right? R and D tax credit, and then the Section 179D tax credit, which is for like high efficiency buildings, energy compliance, things like that. So yeah, so yeah. their their business is set up just to help you make claims on your taxes. And so this is the problem when the IRS is underfunded, when there aren't a lot of audits happening on this stuff, is that you get groups that pop up that might not be doing all the due diligence they should be doing. And then they're just churning out these R&D credits for companies. And these companies aren't really aware that, you know, the, the startups that are taking advantage of this don't realize like there's a big risk when you don't do a proper study. And it puts all the firms that do this the right way at a huge disadvantage because it's a lot more expensive to do it the right way. It's a lot more expensive to do the individualized R&D study. And so... You know, we we actually, as a profession, we want a strong regulator because we should want a strong regulator because then the quality work means something. If there are no audits, if nobody's ever checking the work, then it's very easy for people who aren't doing a good job just to turn these out. And the IRS has been fighting with them. Is this correct? Over some of the claims? There, there have been many audits now of their work that have come back. And been so the entire tax credit has been denied. So, so and that's are, very expensive. So, if for you're doing clients. work for clients, and it's getting denied by the IRS, does that warrant you to be rated by the IRS, or does the IRS suspect you are doing something else illegally? Oh, I, I mean, I think if they aren't doing, if there is a scheme, let's say it's a scheme going on at the company to do these not the right way, then yeah, the IRS will. The like if they're purposely doing that. them not the right way, that would constitute a, a raid. That's what I'm trying to understand. Yeah, like, like, like so like a small-time tax preparer, if they're filing fraudulent returns, right, they'll, yeah. you go to jail for that, right? They'll come after you for that. So it's the same thing with this, just on a bigger scale, I think. So, so somewhere this is tipped from possibly misunderstanding or, or they're purposely filing them in a scam. I guess here we go. We're going to have to use a scam way because why would they raid them? Yeah. 
unless That's there's a truly a scam going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, if any of our listeners have info on this, want to give their input, if you do R&D credits, if you do employee retention credits, and you're up against competitors that don't seem to be doing this the right way, but are getting the business, let us know. I've kind of followed up from your story last week. I think you mentioned how accounting giant EY, right? They were going to offer more mental health. Uh, yeah. Yeah. One of them anyway. It, 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 was it, it was PwC EY, or? Oh, unless maybe this is, maybe EY is doing a similar thing. But I have an article about, basically EY created a chief of well-being, well-being officer position. A CWO, chief of well-being officer. And it's um, part of their C-suite, right? And it's the article, this is a little bit of a press release in a way, but the article just goes on and on about like workers not only have to be concerned about their jobs, but bear the effects of geopolitical events such as the Russian invasion of Ukraine, runaway inflation, increasing prices of everything from food to gasoline, devastatingly heartbreaking school shootings, a politically toxic climate in the US, and it has people constantly bickering with each other. Like the world is so bad, right? That they need to. Mm-hmm have this position. Um, but a, a couple of things I thought was interesting. I mean, they're trying, right? They, they're offering lots of different things, but they've created some interesting programs. So I don't know if you know, there's a thing called the EY WOW, which is the EY way of working. And basically it's, it's a new program they're rolling out that gives people the flexibility of how and where they work. So it's hybrid, right? It's a fancy word they're using for the hybrid thing. But part of this, they've created the EY WOW transition fund. And this allows leaders when they do an offsite or team building activity to have budget, you know, and the people can also use some of that budget if there's an offsite on dependent pet care, commuting, things like that. Um, and then not only that, they're building a well-being index. So EY is testing out a well-being index by analyzing data mm-hmm. from the new programs and policies, the company gain insights into what's working and determine if they are achieving their goals to improve the well-being of the employees. You know, they're going to sell this to companies. <laughs> right. And then on top of that, where does this tie back to? Right. Because isn't one of the ESG things, the social, your employees stuff, right? Yeah. How healthy are your employees mentally, physically? That's, that's, well, it's this the thing about ESG, David. It can include whatever the heck you want. Right. And so, how convenient UI has a well being index you can use to measure this stuff internally. Yeah. Eventually. Yeah. Well, you know that, but here's my, my feeling on this. Nothing is going to change at the big four until the business model changes. As long as what you are selling is time, which is what they sell in most cases, they're still selling time. Firm leaders, practice owners, or leaders of practices are going to have every incentive just to get their staff to work as many hours as possible. And that's not healthy. It doesn't matter. You can do all this stuff on the fringes. You can make it all sound nice and have lots of mental health resources. But if people are working... 60 to 80 hours a week, they're not going to be healthy. It's like, you know, if, if you just feed, if you feed people too many calories, they're going to get fat, right? <laughs> if you work people too much, they're going to be unhappy. It's pretty simple. Yeah. You, you can have all the exercise equipment you want at the office, but if you're just like force feeding people calories, they're going to get fat. Yeah. If they can't actually find time to use the exercise equipment. <laughs> I, it's a ter- probably a, not a great analogy, but. It's the best one I could come up with. Until the business model changes, where it's not like based on leveraging people. Hey, so uh, let's let's keep talking about the big four. The UK regulator 
it's always just UK regulator whenever it's reported in the US news. They never say what it is. Uh, the Financial Reporting Council has fined KPMG LLP in the UK 3.4 million pounds. That's equivalent to 4.2 million US dollars for ignoring bribes that Rolls-Royce paid or failing to discover bribes that Rolls-Royce paid to India. Another example of the auditors looking the other way. And the crazy thing is that the partner who oversaw the audit, he gets to keep working at the firm and plans to retire in September. So they just pay the financial, they pay the financial fines and then they, uh, they keep on going. Did you see uh, EY wants to spin off its audit division? Really? Yes. So no, the partners are, so the senior partners are still ironing out the final proposals, but they want to spin off the uh, audit operations. Now, in the article here, it doesn't actually say, like, as soon as I saw this headline, I was like, oh, that's because they want to break out tax and advisory and then maybe you yeah. know, take capital differently, something like that. But it looks like what the bigger problem they're having is that the uh, the headaches and the audits, the problems the audit department is having are starting to drag down the rest of you high, right? In the UK, yeah. they want to break them up. And like, this is like almost a, a preemptive move to avoid being broken up, right? If they can decide how to do it themselves. And so they're they're talking about it right now. Is this in the US, UK? Like, where is this? What what? Can you send me this? This is a UK article. Um, literally, the website is thisismoney.co.uk. Wow, yeah, you're right. EY is about to embark on one of the biggest shakeups of an accounting giant in decades as it plans to hive off its audit operations. They're trying to get ahead of it. Yeah. And then the one thing it says in the article that, you know, if they do, they, they could create a domino, right? All the other players might do this as well because they mm -hmm. all copy each other. I think these firms get up to this level. I mean, it, it makes a lot of sense, right? It's kind of crazy that we had all of these non-attest services in audit firms. I mean, this is what, this is what, uh, Sarbanes-Oxley was supposed to stop, but it didn't completely. Audit firms were still allowed to continue providing some services to audit clients, and it just creates this massive conflict of interest. I mean, it's a big enough conflict of interest that you're getting paid by the client that you're auditing. You don't need yeah. other conflicts in there. A top 100 accounting firm now accepts uh, Shibu coin, or is it Shibo coin? What's the coin with the dog and the Dogecoin? Whatever those... Two coins. I, I don't know, dogs. David. I don't know. I thought you were the crypto. Your you, you had all this stuff down. <laughs> Doge. I know Doge. 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 Yeah. Doge. Yeah. And Shiba. Shiba, which is another like, Shiba Inu. Yeah, which is another like dog-based coin or something. Who's uh, accepting this? Um, Wolf and Company, a Boston-based top 100 accounting firm. Oh, but all right. The, so this was like in Crypto Globe, and this is something I've I've noticed, like the the crypto websites. You know, they're, they're always trying to create things that make them look validated, right? All they did is Wolf and Company just is starting to use, there's a product out there called BitPay. And it's like, it's like a PayPal shopping cart. And they probably are just letting, they just added it to their payment options on their website, right? But the article makes it see, it really is like, you know, this is the, we're on the cutting edge here of crypto services. And, and it, it gives crypto more legitimacy than maybe it should have. Right. But of course, they're going to write an article like this. But essentially, it's like they added a PayPal button to their invoices, right? Pay by PayPal. That's just pay by pay. So just uh, noted out there. So I don't think we've really talked much about the decline in the, the markets, right? Like 
all that stuff that's happened recently where some tech stocks have plunged 75%, 80%. The broader market is down, what, like 20, 20%. That's why people are talking about a bear market. And I, I saw this, I, we don't have to go into it in, in depth, but I just wanted to point out this article I saw in the Wall Street Journal. The headline is, the market is melting down and people are feeling it. My stomach is churning all day. Subheadline says, many are watching investments they meant for down payments, tuition, or retirement shrink day after day. And it's basically stories of these investors who have loaded up on stocks. They've ridden the wave up through the pandemic when everybody was putting all their stimulus money into the stock market. And now it's crashed and they're freaking out and not sure what they're going to do. And I'm thinking to myself, this is crazy. Wasn't it like less than 15 years ago that we had the 2008 financial crisis? And the big lesson of that was don't put all your money in stocks if you're going to need it anytime soon because the market could crash 50% like at any point. Yeah. It's like nobody learned the lessons. History. Of that, nobody right? learns lessons. We don't. We don't learn lessons. <laughs> and this is like I've been hearing listening to a lot of this. And, and this shakeup could be good because, like, even like in the startup scene, the amount of money that's out there and these companies have gotten easy money. And what happens is you dilute the talent. So instead of a small number of companies being solid, the talent gets spread out and they get very thin. And then a bunch of companies have a bunch of money, but they don't execute very well. And so like this is kind mm. of like a natural pullback that we kind of need, right, to happen, right? This reset has to happen a little bit. And even the the big ones now, it's starting, you're starting to see it catch up in the consumer side. So all those buy now, pay later players, uh, a lot of the consumers that have been using those are in trouble and they're not paying these things back. But at the same time, I'm like, I saw some Instagrammer tweet and they're, they're, people are really bitching about these buy now, pay later companies. And this uh, lady, she shows, she has a slide on her TikTok or Instagram, where the hell it is, right? And she's talking about how she's in the hole on this dress she bought. Like, how much do you think this dress cost, Blake? $500. $2,000 dress. <laughs> but if you do the buy now, pay later, you break it into five payments a, or four payments of $500. But okay. I'm like, the problem isn't the buy now, pay later. It's because you bought a $2,000 dress. Wait, like, why is she in the hole? Did she like destroy the dress? Well, she didn't pay back. And then, because, you know, probably has other buy now, pay leaders. And then they right. all start to come up due. And then you don't have any money in your bank account. So they can't yeah. draw it. So now you're getting fi fined or penalties. And now you owe, like, the whole, it, it, it's really a different variation on the credit card game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, and, I listened to a whole podcast episode on, uh, it might have been Planet Money, about buy, not, buy now, pay later, and how all these people are getting caught in these cycles of debt. The same way it used to be a credit card, but now it's all these individual buy now, pay laters. And the problem with it is that the buy now, pay later companies or the afterpay companies, whatever you call them, they don't know what other buy now, pay laters you have. Yep. So you could end up, there's no limit, right? So so that's that's the problem. That's the bubble of that, right? All these people will load up and then they won't be able to pay. And I think uh, Klarna, I think is one of the leading ones. They just had to, they took a, a billion dollar or another round of financing or whatever, but they had to lower their valuation in order to mm. take it. So this is really starting to hit these companies where it counts. And, and it's risky, right? You think about all the apps and these companies you want to possibly use in your firm. If the funding dries up for that app, that app might, might not be around a year from now. This episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast is sponsored by Canopy. Accounting practices management software should bring together all of your firm's mission-critical functions in one place. 
client management, document management, workflow, time and billing, and payments to keep your team organized. Canopy knows that not all firms are on the same practice management journey or timeline, so Canopy lets you build your practice management platform as you need it. You start with the client management as your foundation, then you can choose the modules that your firm needs. Since nobody likes paying for modules they don't use, they offer modular pricing as well. Canopy integrates with QuickBooks Online, Xero, FreshBooks, CRMs, Form Builders, Spreadsheets, Calendars, Email, and Zapier. They have a mobile app, centralized file management, fillable PDFs, a client portal, task management, and the list goes on and on. Via their integration with the IRS, you can easily retrieve all your clients' transcripts, notices, and childcare tax credit payments without leaving Canopy. To try Canopy free for 30 days, head over to cloudaccountingpodcast.promo slash Canopy. That is cloudaccountingpodcast.promo forward slash C-A-N-O-P-Y. It's time to streamline your firm with Canopy. Right? And so this is where we will eventually get into, if you want to, we could jump over there now, but the intuit earnings, yeah, right? Um, which are kind of amazing. Um, and they also explain why intuit raised prices on QuickBooks again. <laughs> like when you look at the earnings. Let's do it. All Let's right. get into app news. So intuit reported their third quarter results. And they raised all their guidance, et cetera, et cetera, like they usually do. But a couple of big notes in here. Their um, QuickBooks Online ecosystem revenue grew 67% to $1.2 And if you pulled out MailChimp, it still grew 31%. Right? It wow. just continues so, to grow and grow and grow. Is this the first time they've been over a billion with QuickBooks Online? For the I ecosystem? I guess if they, grew, if they grew 30%. Possibly, yes. The it could be, grew. right? Like yep. that's a that's a that's a huge... Milestone and sixty-seven percent total, but they're including Mailchimp in there. Yeah. Got it. QuickBooks online accounting revenue grew thirty-two percent in the quarter, or in the quarter, driven primarily by higher effective prices, consumer growth. Right. Mm-hmm. QuickBooks online payroll and QuickBooks online payments, excluding uh, Mailchimp revenue, grew twenty-eight percent. International online revenue grew 221%. And then the real kicker number, which it was just amazing that I saw. And you kind of were projecting this out early on when we started talking about QuickBooks Live, that all of a sudden Intuit's going to quickly be a top 10 accounting firm. I think you figured out maybe number 68 or something. But yeah, you were doing they, that only on kept... QuickBooks Live numbers. Right, right. But, well, TurboTax Live revenue has grown another 30% and it's now $1 billion. So TurboTax when they say live. that though, they're talking about you're paying for TurboTax plus live. They're not separating out the live component. That's correct. Right. But but to be fair, if you're purchasing the personal handholding, yeah, you could argue that TurboTax Live is an accounting firm with engineers or a tax firm with engineers and it's over a billion dollars, which makes it, I don't know what the top 100 threshold is for a billion dollars, but that's like, you know, top in the top 20. Well, I think we just talked right? about two firms that merged to create a mega firm. And now they have a billion in revenue and it moved them to top 10 or top 12 or something. Yeah. So yeah. So this TurboTax into- Live should be, should be in there. Like I think, you know, if accounting today really wanted to do accurate rankings, they'd include non-CPA firms like TurboTax Live because they've already allowed in other non-CPA firms. Eisner Amper, has split off audit into its own firm. So now the other part is, but the other part is still included in accounting today. And then uh, we've got your part-time controller on the list. 
I don't know. It's time to update the rankings. Yeah. Um, and then Intuit, just like a lot of these, the big, huge tech companies, right? Uh, the Apples, the Googles, the Microsofts, right? They have a lot of cash on the, t- you know, they got $3.9 billion, billion cash just sitting aside on the balance sheet, right? So they're very strong from that point front. And then I jumped in and looked at the conference call. Uh, a couple of notes in the conference call. QuickBooks Capital is like at record levels. It's just tripled uh, year over year um, because it's just easy to get to. And because they're starting to dial in these algorithms, they're accurately loaning money to people when they need it. Right. So they're seeing- And that some, is the loan you can get inside of QuickBooks. Inside of QuickBooks or, for business loans. You have loans. to have a QuickBooks cash account or can you just- um, Not for that. Is I, it, you can get a QuickBooks capital to any bank account. Oh. I, I, it would be nice. I don't think that stuff's connected very well yet. That's the next step, right? They're all separate products, yeah. yeah. And they do talk but, a lot about their ecosystem plays, right? With, um, you know, credit. If you had TurboTax and you open a credit card of Karma bank account, you get your refund five days sooner, right? And so they're really talking about that that ecosystem play that's been going on and on and on. They talked about QuickBooks desktop ecosystem revenue grew three percent, um, you know, because they raised the prices on. Uh, desktop enterprise, but they flat out say in the comments called longer term, we do not expect the desktop business to be a growth driver for the small business and self-employed group. Right? So they're kind of setting the table for Wall Street. They don't expect desktop to, you know, be, be yeah. in the future. You would, th- you would think the analysts would already be able to figure that out. Yeah. But, but they must not listen to the cloud accounting podcast. Yeah. And then so these are a little out of order because this gets into the questions, but um, so we just talked about how TurboTax is a live is a billion dollars. Right? Yeah. The Intuit is pretty sure that for consumer tax, it's 20 billion. And on the business tax sides, it's another 10 billion. So Intuit thinks this is a $30 billion opportunity. And they think they're barely scratching the, the surface on this. So they're at like 1.2 billion now. Of a $30 billion opportunity. Wow. Right. And then they also think this is the same is true for um, what they're doing with Credit Karma, what they're doing with MailChimp, what they're doing mm-hmm. with QuickBurst Capital. They're like, we are, we're just now getting this dialed in and we're not even close to dominating the market on these fronts that we're currently in. So there, there's that. They talk about over 1.5 trillion of invoices are generated on the system, on the platform. Um, and then they do get a little bit into, I talked about how much cash they have. So they talk about, and I think Zero talked about this in their latest thing about their acquisitions. How much cash does Intuit have? Uh, three point nine billion. That's a good chunk. 40s. Yeah. And so what remember, even zero's earnings. Zero talked about they plan on making acquisitions. Right. Um, this was directly asked, right? And it's interesting because they're very clear that they can do it from a mindshare standpoint and cash standpoint. They can do it. But I'll read this quote unquote. The biggest hindrance for future acquisitions is how good the management team is of the company they're acquiring. Um, it's not our mind shares or our resources. And that's the way they think about it. So when they're looking to, so all you app developers that are listening who are like, maybe Intuit will buy me one day, they're looking at your management team. Because obviously if they bring you in, they can't just pull managers off of other Intuit products and slap you, mm-hmm. right? So they're looking, which I thought's interesting that it's not the engineers, it's not, it's looking at the management team, which ultimately leads to what kind of business are they running? Right at that thing. And then the last thing, which I thought was a little cocky, but also very, very interesting. And it's, uh, it's very, at the very end, it's like, by the way, we are the best projector of the economy because of the data we see in our small business platform. Like they're, I believe they're, that. They're not, but, for, they, like, and I've, I mean, I've seen Intuit through four downturns or whatever, and it's never slowed them down. 
people yeah. still have to pay taxes and lots of people start for businesses and downturn, yeah. but they have a lot of power here. And it's this flywheel is really starting to happen for Intuit. Um, and then obviously this leads right into Intuit raised prices again on QuickBooks. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's how they keep increasing their revenue, even if they don't get as many files as they used to, right? Because Intuit is plateaued a bit in terms of the online subscriber growth, which is why they stopped reporting that number, we think. Yeah. So they, they don't report of, I mean, subscription numbers. I think it's still growing, but when you used to be able to say we added 300,000 small businesses to QuickBooks Online every quarter, right. it's hard to go out there and say we only added 50,000. <laughs> so this, this is important good. to note is that the growth is coming the growth is coming just as much from the price increases as it is from the subscriber yes, but growth. If, but if you raise the prices and subscriber growth doesn't decrease, yeah. you're going to try to increase them again, right? Yeah, yeah. And so basically, Plus went up five bucks a month. So instead of QuickBooks Online uh, Plus being $80, now it's now 85 So I need, to, like, I need to go adjust all my virtual credit card that pays for QuickBooks up five more bucks. Gosh, that, is, that is a lot. I mean, sorry, as, as somebody who subscribes to Zero you know, as a zero user, $85 seems like a lot to pay for accounting software. But isn't some of this, like, I, my understanding is in down under in Australia, Zero's slowly been raising their prices and QuickBooks is the one that's kind of undercutting them. It's a much better price. And so Zero's still trying to get market share in the States here, right? Yep. But, but I also still think, I mean, tr at some level, I'm paying what 80 bucks a month for QuickBooks Online, and two years from now, I'll probably be a hundred dollars. And there's not much I can do about it, right? I'm not going to switch, probably, which is probably the case for that's, most that's, people. Switching costs are very high. It, it, it's kind of hard to do, but at some other level, if you add it all up, I look at like all the apps I use to run my business, and QuickBooks might be one of the most expensive, and produces no revenue. Right. Right. Like we're paying, well, even for this podcast, we have Zencaster, we're paying about 40 bucks a month for that. Transistor, 40 bucks for that. Canva, which is like an unbelievable value. It's like 12 bucks a month per employee. Yeah. Like it's crazy. Yeah. Like at all the pieces that, of the SaaS apps I used to run my business, QuickBooks is like the most expensive. Right? And then you start going through this. They have this is a huge blog post they have on the Firm of the Future blog. They're changing prices, uh, even on QuickBooks Online Payroll. That's changing from $4 an employee to $5 an employee. There was something about payroll. People were pretty upset. And it was about, was it about desktop payroll um, recently? Let's see. I could be making something up. Are they phasing it out? We might have talked about this. Well, on I think a they, they're episode. phasing out like Intuit online payroll. Okay. Quick, yeah. So that's been going on for the last 18 months to two years, I think. But they are going to start offering a discount on MailChimp for pro advisors. They're changing up uh, revenue sharings, rolling out to all the US based accountants. What's interesting about this, I mean, the blog post is huge, right? Oh, they also are pulling out, they're changing Fathom. So Fathom's built into QuickBooks Online Accountant, right? Fathom reports. But you know how they, um, they just did that business deal for QuickBooks Online Advanced with, I forgot the other, is it Centage? The other- Centage. Centage, right? And now apparently- Fathom reports did have some ties in with QuickBooks Online Advance, so that may be being taken out of QuickBooks Online Advance. So some people mm. are kind of upset about that. Now, the, what's most interesting about this, like, is the timing, right? We are now scaling new heights is in what Father's Day, so it's what three weeks away, four four weeks away. Intuit pulls out of scaling new heights, right? Which is really 
the convention outside of QuickBooks Connect for QuickBooks advisors. And so now they're all going to be coming together fresh off of this pricing increase, which again, on all the social media, they're all fired up on, everybody's bitching about. They're going to be all together at a conference. In the meantime, Zero and like eight other accounting platforms are now going to be at Joe Woodard's conference, Scaling New Heights. It's just that I'm like the, fi- the timing is interesting because basically you're just giving a bunch of fuel to, to all their competitors and your base. Like you're better off doing this a month from now after that conference. So people, they don't have a place to vent with each other over drinks, et cetera. So. Well, we'll get to see. We'll yeah. find out. But, Does $5 a month make a difference? And then and, and this goes back to the bigger thing, the bigger bitch. And we'll say this again. If $5 forces you to write letters to all your clients to adjust your client, your pricing, you've got to think about how you're pricing your product. Like assume it's going to go up $5 a month, every month for the next decade, build that 10 year price in today. Just build it in. Yeah. Or just have your clients pay directly, right? Like, but don't make the margin on the software. The margin on the software shouldn't be a big part of your business. It shouldn't shouldn't be. I I think a lot of accounts aren't putting the margin on it. They're just including as a cost. Right. So, so Blake, I'm going to do your bookkeeping. Passing it through. There's passing yeah. it through. And like, yeah. it, it's just really hard. I to would do. just roll, yeah, roll it into the services and just your price increases on your services every year should more than make up for whatever Intuit's going to increase your price to. This episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast is sponsored by A2X. Since 2014, A2X has helped thousands of online merchants and their advisors save inordinate amounts of time reconciling the revenue for their online stores. A2X posts tidy summaries of sales, returns, and fees from Shopify and Amazon directly into QuickBooks or Zero that exactly match the deposits that appear in the bank account, allowing you to accurately reconcile in just one click, giving you the confidence of knowing that your client's e-commerce financials are accurate. Cloud Accounting Podcast listener and e-commerce expert Scott Scharf said A2X is the gold standard in e-commerce accounting. A2X has a partner program for accountants and bookkeepers that includes one-on-one onboarding, training for you and your team, and exclusive marketing opportunities. To learn more about using A2X and get 50% off your subscription for three months by using code CAP50, head over to cloudaccountingpodcast.promo slash A2X. That is cloudaccountingpodcast.promo forward slash A, the number two, X. So we have to talk about the complete polar opposite of TurboTax Live and QuickBooks Live, and that is GoDaddy online bookkeeping. Do you remember Outright yes. Bookkeeping? So Outright uh, was uh, started by a former Intuit payroll employee that I worked with 15 years ago, Ben Curran. So he started that, and then he wound up selling that yes. to GoDaddy. It was like so the first bought- cloud accounting. Like This is before QuickBooks Online. And did they use their own software? It was all proprietary, yep. yep. Right. So so GoDaddy bought Outright Bookkeeping, which had its own software, and then have decided now to shut it down. Thank you to at CPA for tagging us or for tweeting this, and then I saw that. They're going to discontinue online bookkeeping on June 23rd, 2022, and you'll have to go find uh, some new software. They have partnered with Intuit to offer you a special discount on QuickBooks Online. I never ran into this in the wild, but I guess a bunch of eBay sellers used to use it. Yeah, and then he um, it kind of evolved. I think now he's doing some sort of uh, accounting system or point of sale for um, cannabis. I kind of it's it's like a version of it branched off specifically for cannabis. 
I think, that's out there. So maybe it's not fully dead. I have a listener message that I've got on my screen, so I'm just going to read it right now. This is from Christopher. He said, Hi, Blake. I've been catching up on the Cloud Accounting Podcast, and it's fantastic. I started from the first episode and have only reached the beginning of 2020. I'm looking forward to digesting the rest of the content as I continue to develop as an accounting pro. Great work. Thank you. So he's going back to the very beginning and listening through to all of our episodes, David. Which that's a lot of old news. It'd be interesting that's, to get his I wonder, take on it. I wonder what it's up. Yeah, thank you, Christopher. You'll have to tell us, you know, what are your takeaways from digesting 281 at Actually, this point episodes? Because it'll be like, these guys are idiots. It probably sound <laughs> stupid. If we if Brian listened to something we predicted two years ago or said something that is completely off base now, I'm sure. Like, so I recommend yeah. you don't do that. Go. It's interesting though to go about four or five episodes, but yeah, to go to the whole the whole D- library. Please don't. Please don't listen to my first episode. <laughs> the very first one. So, are you done with Intuit news, David? I think we're done with Intuit news, but I mean, okay. we got some other. Uh, I got zero other news articles though. For better. Okay. Well, I got. I- I got some zero stuff, so I'll just okay. here's a zero update. So zero has updated their quotes experience so that you can send files as email attachments with your quotes. And actually it's not available yet. The blog post says in the weeks ahead, we're rolling out a new feature that will allow you to send files as email attachments with your quotes. This means your customers can open attachments such as terms and conditions or a sales brochure from the email itself rather than via a web page. And it's a long-standing community request that they have fulfilled. Finally. Finally. <laughs> and I think there's one more zero thing. Hold on a sec. So this is actually both a zero item and a Stripe item. Uh, Stripe has released their own app marketplace. The credit card processing company has its own app marketplace. Then we talked zero, about that because they also have a partner community as well. Like they'll list you in as a Stripe expert. Oh, so accountants can get into that. Interesting. Well, so Xero announced their own Stripe app in the marketplace. And one thing that's kind of cool about it, in the list of key benefits, they say that inside of Stripe, customers can now view key Xero dashboard data, giving a 360 view of their business when navigating the Stripe dashboard. You can see bank balances, invoices, and bills without switching between systems, so directly in Stripe. And this is something that I always wanted in Xero, is the ability to embed a widget on the dashboard, since the Xero dashboard is very widgetized. Mm -hmm. I don't know what the right word to describe it is, but every bank account or account watch list is a box on the screen. So you could like allow other apps to put data onto that dashboard. So Stripe's figured out how to do that. And to its as well as it's, it's like, you know, um, flirted with that idea a lot. It's just, it, it also comes to that. And this might be the reason zero is not doing it either is like, because then all of a sudden this dashboard becomes a noisy place and you've lost control of your customer experience. But, yeah, but, yeah. but I think but, I mean, app developers balance, want it. Right? And I think people kind of want stuff. It's annoying having to jump out all the time. Yeah. Well, like, cap. let's say, you know, okay, here I am. I'm in zero or QuickBooks or whatever. And I'm looking at my bills that I got to pay. Right. Okay, well, why can't I just like on the dashboard see the, you know, if I want to pay in Relay, for instance, or I want to pay in Bill.com or in Milio, why can't I just see that, you know, those bills on the dashboard and then click to go into that app and pay, right? Rather than having to like go navigate through a bookmark bar or something. It would just be so much easier. 
Agree. They, but they, I understand they beyond that. the API API integrations, yes. These accounting systems sort of yeah. have UI integrations. And that's kind of what um say Gintac does, right? And NetSuite. The integrations are like more in the UI and less mm-hmm. just in the API data level. Yeah. So you can also see your overdue and unpaid invoice totals and bank account totals in the Stripe dashboard, stuff coming from zero. And you can see customer contact information stored in zero without leaving Stripe, giving you a complete view of your customer. Interesting. Yeah. So have you checked out the the new uh, Stripe marketplace? It's I worth taking just, a look. When I looked at it that two weeks ago or three weeks ago, whenever their press release came out, but I have not been back there. I'm going to go take a look right now because I want to see what's in there. So they've got the Stripe partner ecosystem, and then you can click on find technology partners. Yeah, so it's stripe.com slash partners slash directory. But is that? The directory is, that, is for like an accountant who becomes an expert in Stripe can get listed on there. That's what we talked about in their press release. Uh, so it was go. two things they did. They have the the find a Stripe expert, River Stripe partner. Then you have the actual Stripe okay. app store. And the apps, the apps you find at marketplace.stripe.com. I'm looking at the page right now. I see featured is intercom. DocuSign, Zero is featured as well. They've also got MailChimp, Dropbox, Bench is in there. Ramp is in there. I wonder what other financial and accounting tools are in here. Let's take a look. So we've got Bench, Billet, Exemtax, Puzzle. That's Puzzle. It says accounting software built native to Stripe, designed for founders. That's new to me. Uh, Ramp, as I mentioned, SimplyVat.com. Cinder is in there. Taxually for digital services and zero. Those are the financial accounting products. integrations. And then in terms of like financial services, Mercury, On Deck, Funbox, Capital One, Capchase, and OpenNode. Cool. Q onto. Maybe that's the way to say this. It's Q O N T O. They are a uh, business finance solution in Europe. And so they're they have a strong foothold in France and Germany and Spain and Italy. They, um, it's interesting because it looks like they, in some of these countries, like here, you can just, you can't get the bank account until you get your business license first. You can't get a bank account until you get your business license. Well, I had to go get an EIN letter for the most recent account. Yeah, because you can't and open I, a business checking account in the United States without, without an EIN, EIN letter right. from the So you kind of have to get your license then, first before you open bank. Well, apparently, to do that, like, to get the EIN, you have to incorporate with the state or you yeah. have to register with the state. And it looks yeah. like in Europe, based on their website, it's kind of the opposite where you have to deposit the money and all the partners need to make the deposit first. And then you go get your license afterwards and then you can start withdrawing and using the money, which is kind of an interesting, like it's the opposite. But so they offer that as a service. And then on top of that, they've spun out into, you know, expense management for your team, tracking, loans, their business bank account, right? Capturing receipts and, you know, syncing it to all the accounting systems. But now they've just, this again, this march of banks becoming accounting GLs. They've just added, in, they're going to add invoicing. It goes live on the 24th. And it's just going to start in France, Germany, and Spain. But essentially, it's part their first part of, quote unquote, a series of solutions allowing Q on two clients to get paid, right? So they're just on this march. Yes, they sync to the accounting system. But hey, if you can just do it right directly in our app, you don't need the accounting system as much. Because if you're paying bills through the app and now you're invoicing, it's a full stack. It's getting there. 
I've got a piece of PPP fraud news that we can't miss. You can't miss. Do you want to touch on before you do the last uh, app news quickly? What do you got? Um, ADP has made uh, enhancements to Account and Connect. Okay. So ADP has their Account and Connect, right? Which is their portal for accountants to get knowledge on things, find other products, et cetera. So now they've added in analysis tools. So you can get um, benchmarks directly from ADP for employee turnover, benefit enrollment rates by industry. So you're getting access to data that ADP has. Um, They're going to give up like a dashboard so you can get the full transparent view of all your clients on all the ADP products they might use. And then you can also set up notifications. So if your client hires a new employee or terminates an employee, or if uh, the state jurisdiction changes on any of your client's employees, you get notified right away. So you know you have to go take action. Service Connect, they're going to, and this is the one I found most interesting. They're allowing accountants to use their platform to send and receive documents, ask questions, right? And track the status of service requests. So are, is this gonna, are they Marna practice management mark, March here? ADP, it's kind of interesting. And then they have their cert- they have a certification program now. They partnered with Rootworks, and that's eligible for three CP credits. And then they've added two more integrations, well, or affiliations. So Giraffe now ha- has an integration with them and pulls data directly from Run, which is ADP's like small business um, startup payroll. And then Avalara is in there, but just offering a twenty five percent off Avalara solutions to the. Account Connect people, but it's it feels like they might be on a march to build practice management here. I don't know. That's what it feels like. Well, perhaps we will be enlightened in a future episode. So PPP news. Okay, so so the actor who played the Red Power Ranger in the hit '90s TV series Austin St. John, he has been charged for his alleged role in a fraud scheme that raked in 3.5 million meant for businesses struggling during the COVID-19 pandemic, the Department of Justice announced. Yes, the Red Power Ranger committed PPP fraud, allegedly, and is being brought to justice. His legal name is Jason Lawrence Geiger. He's 47, and he was indicted last week in Texas. And by last week, I actually mean, I think it was like two weeks ago. He was one of 18 people indicted in the scheme, which allegedly defrauded lenders and the SBA's Paycheck Protection Program to receive loans they used for personal expenses, according to the Eastern District of Texas U.S. Attorney's Office. And what did he use it for? Did he do anything cool, like buy a fancy car, swimming pool? (laughs) The group fraudulently obtained 16 loans, totaling at least $3.5 million. And it looks like Austin St. John was not one of the ringleaders in this. Let's see how he got involved. They basically just filed false paperwork. They disguised the true nature of the business, number of employees, amount of the payroll. What's the whatever? It's the same. Same same story. Same story. Uh, Anything good? That's what I'm looking at. It doesn't like. It's the headline, right? Like it, the headline is the key here, right? The Red Power yeah. Ranger charged. Like it's 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 almost insane. He had to. He canceled his appearance at the Des Moines Con, the uh, oh, comic book convention, comic book and pop culture convention in Iowa. Poor poor kids don't get to see. Well, I don't think it's kids anymore. It's like people my age. <laughs> yeah. So it's basically uh, they they you know the the group transferred it to their personal accounts and then spent it on personal purchases. But yeah, yeah there's nothing insane that he 
purchase jerseys. He didn't buy like himself like a better Power Ranger costume, you know. And he did send his apology. I see when he canceled the appearance, he said that he he sends his apologies and love to all the folks that were looking forward to meeting him. Is there really like a list of people out there? Like, I really want to meet the Red Power Ranger. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, you know, why not, right? If Ch- you're a listener of the Cloud Academy podcast and you are, love the Red Power Ranger and you're disappointed in his behavior, please call and leave us a voicemail. <laughs> like, yes. Send us an email. You, you can email me, Blake at BlakeOliver.com. You can connect with me on Twitter at Blake T. Oliver. How about you, David? Uh, I'm on all the socials, just at David Leary. And you can get CPE credit for listening to this episode. Download my app, EarmarkCPE.com. You'll see that episodes are released on the app a week after they come out on this feed. So we release them as a course. You can go take the quiz, get your CPE credit. It's super easy. I know it's shocking that you can get CPE for listening to this show. So so just to clarify. so We checked all the boxes. Somebody on LinkedIn uh, tagged, tagged us in a post and said how when she's running errands or doing the laundry, she listens to the Cloud Accounting Podcast. Yeah. So it's like double productivity. You can do your laundry, listen to the Cloud Accounting Podcast, but still get CPE at the same time. This is how this works. Yeah, yeah. You okay. can even listen at you know one point five x, and still get an hour of CPE in less time. So you could like be even more efficient. Go for it, everybody! Yeah. I mean, it's, it's amazing. It's, it's, it's right. a total win. It is. Well, David, I'll be back in my own studio next week. A little more comfortable. Enjoy your than vacation today. Thank you. Yeah. You know, actually, what's the temperature? Because it's you know it's a, it's it's one hundred two, one hundred three here in Arizona right now. Oh, in LA, I think it's going to hit in a high of eighty one. We're actually very fortunate. Oh, today. suffering, suffering. It's June gloom, June gloom, June gloom. All right, sir. Yeah. Talk to you next week. All right, Time for the classifieds. If you're looking to quickly grow a scalable, systematic seven-figure accounting firm without having to work 50-plus hours per week, check out Ryan Lozanis' online coaching membership, Future Firm Accelerate. Sign around Ryan's experience taking his cloud firm from scratch to sale so that you don't have to reinvent the wheel. You'll get online learning and topics that help you automate and systemize all aspects of your firm. You'll get coaching when you need help with implementation. And you'll also join a collaborative community of hundreds of other forward-thinking firm owners. For more details, head over to www.futurefirmaccelerate.com. Tired of clients not remembering to get W9s? GetW9 automates and streamlines the collection and storage of W9s. GetW9 has a QBO integration, and they have a partner program that pays 25% commissions. GetW9 plans start at only $19 a year. Visit getw9.tax today to get started. That is G-E-T-W-9 tax. Are you looking for a dream job in cloud accounting? We have the job for you. Advisors for Change delivers cloud accounting systems to small and medium nonprofit organizations. Join our team of friendly and collaborative nonprofit accounting professionals while working from home. Our systems associate will join our experienced systems manager to implement and support cloud accounting systems such as QBO, Bill.com, Divi, Sassant, and others. To learn more, head to our website at advisorsforchange.com slash join dash our dash team. That's advisorsforchange.com slash join-our-team, where you'll find a link to the full position description on Indeed. Are you ready to take your life and bookkeeping business to the next level? Are you aspiring to start your own bookkeeping business? Then hop on over to the Ambitious Bookkeeper podcast, where you'll find encouragement, support, tools, resources, practical strategies, and actionable tips on starting, growing, and running a successful bookkeeping firm. 
Plus, listen to guest expert interviews that will help you elevate your business and enhance your life. Go to ambitiousbookkeeper.com slash podcast and subscribe now. That's ambitiousbookkeeper.com slash podcast. Are your bookkeeping clients driving you crazy asking the same questions over and over? They need QuickBooks training and you have more important things to do with your time. Let RoyalWise be your training partner. Create your own customized client training program and outsource your QuickBooks training department. Listeners of this podcast are invited to join our partner program and receive a 10% referral commission when you sign up. Join us at royalwise.com slash partner to learn more and get started today. Again, that's royalwise.com slash partner. Want to get the word out about your newsletter, webinar, party, Facebook group, podcast, ebook, job posting, or that fancy Excel macro you just created? Why not let the listeners of the Cloud Accounting Podcast know by running a classified ad? Hit the show notes for the link to get more info.